right? So that's good. Well, if you got your Bibles, I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 8 for a moment, and we're going to begin there, and we'll go this way. Uh, but before we get started, just a quick lay of foundation of what we've been doing over the course of the, some time is that we've been on purpose looking to strengthen our relationship with the Lord Jesus. And one of the ways that we do that is, of course, getting to know who he is, Right? I mean, in these last days, we saw that from the book of Acts chapter 14, that the apostle Paul, after they planted these churches, it says that they went back to church, to church, to church, city to city, looking to strengthen the believers that were in these towns. And what did they teach them? They told them that it is good for us to go deeper in the faith because it's only by understanding the kingdom ways will we be able to stand strong no matter what comes our way. So it's not just, oh, I hope everything's going to pan out okay. That's not what we're looking for. That's not what you signed up for. You were born into a war zone, correct? So you and I have to be aware that you came in on a battlefield. And so we have to have clear understanding of what it is. I mean, the enemy is 24-7 going hard after you and I, after, after the brethren, correct? He's the accuser of the brethren. So for you and I to stand strong, not just to go, oh, dear God, can you just help this blow over? That's not totally what this is about. This is about you and I learning how to overcome and stand strong in this life. Because Jesus didn't come just to help you out a little bit. He came to give you and I victory. He came and got it. So part of this equation is knowing who we are, uh, sorry, knowing who God is, and then knowing who we are in Christ, and knowing who Christ is on the inside of us. Because I tell you, you got a win, 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 win situation going on here. So part of what it takes is just a understanding. Oh, I see that. So I want you to see first, our first coin that we've been talking about over the last, I would say two years, really, we emphasize the grace of God and realizing what grace is. Grace, according to Titus chapter two, it teaches us how to live this life. Now, in Hebrews chapter eight, just a question we've asked over this time was, can we really know God? Is that possible, or is he just some distant being who just kind of pulls levers, does a few things for certain people? You know, he gets involved in politics once in a while. Maybe he shows up in church once in a while if the worship's good enough. Is that what kind of God is like? Is he so distant that, you know, he only shows up where he really feels like it? No, for you and I as believers, we can actually know him. Not just know about him, but we can have intimate knowledge of him personally. Man, that's exciting. Now, again, in Hebrews chapter 8, if you read the whole chapter in context, it really you start to see that the two covenants are intact here. But in verse 11, you actually see the result of this new covenant that God himself established with his people. So it says, And it will not be necessary for each one to teach his fellow citizen or each one his brother, saying, Know by experience or have knowledge of the Lord. You won't have to go around and say, You should know him. Why? Because all, say with me, all will know me. All will know me by experience and have knowledge of me from the least to the greatest. So that includes everybody. How else did he do this? For I will be merciful and gracious towards their wickedness and I will remember their sins once in a while. No more. So when you woke up this morning, guess what's on God's mind? Not your, you're in my sin. What's on his mind is how righteous you are because of what the blood of Jesus has accomplished for you. That's why his mercies are new every morning. 
I mean, again, I used that illustration last week, it bears repetition, but it's like if I were to wake up every day and I had a brand new car to drive every single day, what would you think of me? You'd think, man, this guy's got some money. He's, he's rich. God's got so much mercy, he's got to get the new stuff every single day for all of his kids. That's a lot of mercy. Anybody needs some mercy? Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. I need mercy. But this is who our Father is, so much mercy. So again, part of getting to know who God is, you can see that, that it adds strength to you. When you have confidence in knowing who God is, what he says, his character, his nature, what does it do to you? It builds a strong faith on the inside of you going, I can trust this God. I can totally lean on him. I can totally rely on what he says because he will always show up. Can I get an uh-huh in this? Okay, so the next part, I want you to see again how Jesus addressed some of these things. And in Matthew chapter 11, look here, verse 25 through 30. Jesus explained, now in other translations it says, at this moment, and that word a moment is the Greek word epochal, and it's a precise moment in time in history where all of a sudden what happens after this moment changes everything. For example, for me, July 20th, 2008, something happened in my life. I got married. Whoa, my wife is just, yay, yay, sweetie. We got married, and it was wonderful. But after that, July 21st, 2008, I had a major shift take place. I can no longer think like a single man. I tried that a few times. It didn't work. I tried treating her like one of the guys. It didn't work. It is completely different. She didn't like the headlock and the, you know, the, come on, girl, wake up, good to see you. Come on, let's go. That don't work. Why? Because she's not one of the guys. She's my wife. So it became a totally different way of how life was before to after. Some boys need to grow up. You can't, I got a wife. Well, yeah, you can't play Xbox for all your days and just kind of, you know, hopefully everything. She's going to bring home the bacon. That's not what you're called to do. And then the next epochal moment came August 3rd, 2013, when my first son was born. Prior to that, I slept. After that, I did not. So it is a precise time in your and my life. Well, this is what Jesus is explaining. At this exact moment, there was something that took place here where all of a sudden what happened before this and after is a drastic change. And look at this in verse 25. Jesus said, at that moment, he exclaimed, Father, thank you, for you are Lord, the supreme ruler of heaven and earth. And you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and think they are wise, and you have unveiled it instead to little children or the childlike. Not about you, but right here is part of getting to know who God is. If you guys could go back one verse, please. Back to 25. What did he say? He has hidden the revelation of his authority from the know-it-alls. I know this. You've been around know-it-alls? They kind of stink, right? Where you try to talk with them, but the problem is, is that they know it all, and it's very difficult to have a conversation with. It's really difficult to have a relationship. Why? Because they just happen to know everything, right? So even the father has the same opinion. So instead, who has he revealed himself to? Uh, the click, you guys go to the next part? <laughs> you guys are just looking at me, uh, I don't know. There's ours on the screen. The humble, 
He has chosen to reveal himself to the humble. So you have a choice. Which side do I want to be on? So again, you see the character and the nature of our father, right? Okay, click continuing on. Yes, Father, you plan, your, uh, your plan delights your heart as you've chosen the way to extend your kingdom by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. You have entrusted me. Now, this is Jesus talking. You have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have, and no one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father, And no one fully and intimately knows the Father except the Son. Aren't you glad it doesn't stop there? Come on, y'all. Aren't you glad it doesn't stop there? Jesus said, I know everything about the Father. The Father knows everything about me, period. So figure it out on your own. But he also says, but the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. Oh, pick me, pick me. See, it's one thing to trust God. It's a whole other thing for God to trust you. Totally different. You and I actually, you can actually see the Apostle Paul talking about what the fivefold ministry, they are in charge of to be stewards of the mysteries of God. God doesn't just throw his revelation to swine. He doesn't do that. It's do you want it? Are you hungry for it? And are you going to use it according to build his kingdom? Right? Okay, verse 20, 28, he says, and then he asks this question, are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Notice these three words, come to me. So I will unveil the Father to anyone that I choose, come. Come on, say it with me, come. Come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. What is he talking about? The demands of religion. Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? What's a heavy burden? What's the weariness? What does that come from? Trying to live a religious lifestyle of an if you, if you, if you system. If you do, then God can. If you don't, God won't. Are you tired of that? Yes. I can't do it. I saw it with the Ten Commandments. I can't live up to that. None of us could. Only one man could do it. So he's saying, if you're tired of all this, come to me, for I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Click. He says, simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways. Say with me. Learn my ways. God has ways. God has an agenda. God's got a way of doing things. Are we aware of it? That's up to you. Learn my ways, and you'll discover. Notice what you're going to discover about him. He's gentle, humble, and I love this one, easy to please. Oh, I got to just read my Bible. I got to just read my Bible. I got to just read my Bible. Why? Why? You know, if I don't, then, man, I'm just, I'm not going to see God. I'm not going to get things from God. You're coming at it from a very wrong interpretation of who the Father is. Of course we want to spend time in our word, but if it's out of a motivation of fear of, oh, if I don't, then something's not going to happen. If I don't, if, if I don't pray over my kids, something might happen at school, then everything's going to go bad. You are living and motivated from a spirit of fear, not knowing who our Father really is. So again, when you get an understanding of who our Father is, it builds strength on the inside of us. I am easy to please, and you will find re- refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Whoo! So I don't know about you, but when I read this and I see this, I go, the invitation is out. What am I going to do with this statement, come to me? Come. 
Come, 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 come. So you and I are having as much of God as we want. Not as much as he wants as we want. Because listen, you have a father who's jealous over you, meaning he will not share you with anything else. He wants you fully to himself, right? So I don't know about you, again, seeing this, I go, Lord, I'm in. Here's my heart, what do I do? I'm drawing close to you, Father. Why? Because I want to know you. I want to know the way you think. I want to know the way you do things. I want to know the way how you see this earth. I want to see how, how do you see marriage? How do you see raising a family? Rather than letting culture tell us what's going on, I have to go, Father, what do you say? Because you are the creator. I am creation. Who do, you, like, who do some people think they are telling creator what should be happening? We've got to put ourselves in the right place. I am the creation. He created me. Lord, how does this work? You know, in the Message Bible, it talks about there is divine rhythms of grace. It's just learning the rhythms of life. There's a rhythm in our marriage. There's a rhythm when it comes to our home. There's a rhythm, there's a rhythm. And when you get in the rhythm of that, you go, oh, okay. I start to see how the Father operates. And life becomes more enjoyable to you. Okay, so that's one side of the coin. The other side now, taking intentional time to strengthen our relationship with him. How do we do this is also knowing who I am in Christ Jesus. Know who I am. Who are you? That's a scripture that you, or that's a phrase in the Bible you see a few times, is who are you? Remember the seven sons of Sceva? What happened to those guys? These are exorcists in the Jewish community. They went out. They're trying to cast out a devil. And all of a sudden they said, we command you in the name of Jesus who Paul preached. Come out of that person. And the demon replied, listen, who talked? The demon replied, we know Jesus, we know Paul, who are you? And the seven sons of Sceva, I thought, uh, I'm Jason, hi, how are you? <laughs> and what happened, you actually see those guys jumped on these, the seven sons of Sceva, stripped them completely naked, and beat them till they were bloody and all messy. So for you and I, Satan knows spiritual authority. Satan knows that we need to know who we are in Christ Jesus because the moment you find out who you are in Christ, his days are over of tormenting, of being the one over top. You are not supposed to be on the defense. You're supposed to be on the offense. That's what the church is called to is offense, not defense. We move forward. Huzzah? And how do we move forward? Just brash, bold. No, it's knowing who I am in Christ Jesus and speaking from that place. Right? Okay. So let's turn here again. 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to look at verse 16 here first. It says, so from now on, we regard no one from a human point of view. Another translation says it like this. We refuse to evaluate people merely from an outward appearance. What does that mean? I have to stop evaluating people based on the external. Well, they look a certain way. It doesn't matter what's going on in the external. Everybody is on a journey. Right? Say, we're, you know, we're here in Red Deer. We're, we want to drive all the way to southern Florida because that seems like a nice hot place to be at the moment. We're going to drive all the way there. Well, on your way there, there may be a few turnoffs that you have to take. You may get a flat tire. you got to fill up for gas. Everybody is on a journey to their destination. So for you and I to all of a sudden drive by me and go, oh, look, you have to fill up with gas. What's wrong with you? You are constantly judging from the outside. And the Bible says, from, we used to do this. In fact, if you guys go to the next slide there, it says we even try to know Christ from that perspective as well. But boy, we don't know him anything like that anymore. Right? 
Why don't we judge people from an external point of view? Because verse 17 says, because anyone who is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith, him in him as Savior, he is, not will be one day, he is now a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new and the fresh things have come. Spiritual life has been rebirthed on the inside. So again, we can't judge people. I can't look at you and go, well, look what they're wearing today. Some of you are probably looking, well, look at this guy. He's got some holes in his jeans. The judgment from the outside is what's actually turning the world away from y'all. So instead, what do we do? We build up and we look on the inside going, okay, well, hey, they're on a journey. They're figuring these things out. Lord, I pray that the eyes of their heart would be understand, that they would see things from your word. So we can never go down that way because I know for myself, I hate when people judge me from the outside. Well, this is what he must be like. You have no idea. My mama told me if people would know me, they would like me. (laughs) Anybody else's mama said that to them? No. Well, I'm sure my mom will say that to you as well. Okay, well, I'll share my mom with you. So again, we see Jesus didn't come just to help you out a little bit. A man that has been uh, reborn is not just man altered or changed a little bit. It's completely, a man has been remade. And the only way to actually see what's happened on the inside, the moment you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need a mirror to actually see what took place on the inside. So I can't look at my past. I can't look at what has been said about me. I can't look at my education. I can't look at my finances. I can't look at my body to tell me who I really am now that I'm in Christ Jesus. This changes everything. This is one of those epochal moments. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it may feel like nothing's changed. You may still look the same way. You do still look the same way. You may think the same way. But something has been completely changed on the inside. So again, where do I go? Who do I talk to about what took place on the inside? I have to allow the mirror, which is God's word, to now reveal to me who I really am. Because this culture is trying to tell me who I am. I can't hear it from culture because they don't know. Why well, would allow a dead people to tell me the first thing about living? And meanwhile, that's the, the advice they're trying to give you is who we are, what the church should be doing. No, no, no. You're spiritually dead. You have no idea what's happening on the inside of me, what took place on the inside, right? So again, we have to allow the word to reveal to us who I really am. And you see this in James again. I want to just read this quickly, but it's good to hear it again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Anybody take some time this week to look at your mirror, spiritual mirror? Anybody looked at the mirror this morning? Those of you that didn't raise their hand, I can tell. (laughs) What do you use a mirror for? To make sure you are put together somewhat, right? (laughs) So your spiritual mirror, we're going to see this. This is why we abandon everything morally impure and all the wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit. Say with me, sensitive spirit. We absorb or we inhale. Inhale. For you ex-drug addicts, yeah, man, I'm inhaling that stuff. Whoo, that's good. Sometimes a problem in church is that we don't actually inhale what he said. 
We kind of go, oh, praise the Lord, that was so good, and move on and continue with our life, allowing it to actually, whoo, that's good. We absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature for the word. Say with me, the word. The word, the word, the word of life has the power to continually deliver us. Continue on, verse 22. Don't just listen to the word. <laughs> Remember there was one president that said, I have never smoked marijuana. I've never inhaled. I won't tell you who the president is. But I'm sure you can all figure it out. But he said, I've never inhaled. What does that mean? That's what some church folk do. Woo, that was great service. That was so much fun. Inhale it. Take it in. I've never done drugs, so I may be a little bit off in that. I have no idea. Swallow that thing. <laughs> okay. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So again, always allow his word to become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. Verse 23, if you listen to the word and don't live out the message that you hear, you become. Do you hear, do you hear these words? You become like a person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning, meaning God's plan for you and your divine origin. You see how God sees you. But then what happens, you go out into your job, you go out into the world, you go out and do your daily things, and you forgot what you look like. I mean, if we're to sit in a restaurant after church today, and you say, Joel, tell me a little bit about yourself. What are you wearing? What does it look like? You know, how big are your biceps? All that kind of stuff. I could probably give you what I'm wearing. This is what I'm wearing. This is what it looks like. I could give you an idea. Why? Because I looked into the mirror and I saw me. I saw a reflection of what I look like. Well, this is what the word is telling us is that some people, when they go out, people say, who do you think you are? Uh, 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 I got black pants on. You forgot your divine origin. This is who I am. I'm the righteousness of Christ Jesus. That's who I am. Well, who do you think you are? I looked in the mirror, and I allowed the mirror to actually tell me, and I allowed that gaze. Actually, look at the next verse. This, so don't be a verse 24 Christian of people that just, they look, but then they forget who they are. Instead, be this verse 25 guy that says, but those who set their gaze deep. Come on, y'all. Church, we got to get a little deeper. Set my gaze deep into the perfecting law of liberty. They are fascinated by it. They respond to the truth that they hear. They are strengthened by it. And what happens? They experience God's blessings in all that they do. Why? Because it's the doers of this word that get blessed, not people that just hear it. You can listen to message after message after message after message after message. All that it made you is 500 pounds overweight scripturally. Some people are 500 pounds scripturally overweight. Instead of allowing the word of God, now this is not to say don't read your Bible, but what this means is you have to spend some time looking deeply into the mirror until that mirror, the reflection that you see, you actually start to believe it. Because it's no good for God to look at you and say, I see no fault in you. Do you see that? Well, no. That's the problem. Your divine origin, you're not living by. You're living by what so-and-so says. You're living by how you feel. You're living by what somebody thinks about you. Stop it. That's not who you are. 
The mirror is the only thing that I'm allowing the word of God to tell me who I really am. The world has no clue. Family has no clue. Teachers have no clue. So why would I allow their words to get imparted and implanted on the inside of me where I just now crumble in the back room and go, I just don't understand. I stop it. I'm sure you are being crippled and your divine origin on the inside is screaming going, that's not who you are. Oh, I'm just an ex-alcoholic. No, you are not. That's not who you are. The mirror doesn't show that reflection from the word. It doesn't show that reflection. So stop taking those names and those titles. That's not who you are. Why is this so important in these last days? Because the world needs a church that knows in whom they have believed and they have to know who they are in Christ Jesus and who Christ is on the inside of them. We need to know that. All right. So now, let's look to the mirror. It's all about seeing those that set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law. I want you to look at this in uh, Numbers chapter 29 real quick. But knowing who I am requires me to see. What do you see? What are you gazing at? These are such important questions because you and I, this world is constantly trying to take our gaze. You and I are simply reflecting the nature of the world that we are most aware of. Marty Blackwelder, when he was here a couple weeks ago, he said this, that you can only participate in what you perceive. What are you seeing? You can only participate in what you perceive. And then I got another good, good quote. This one's from Bill Johnson. He said, anyone who has more input from mainstream media than they do the word of God, their discouragement is self-inflicted. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at what's going around here. And what's that doing? It's causing an image for the inside of you going, I don't know how we're going to do this. Oh, it's all over. We might as well just wait for Jesus and just hung on for Jesus to come. No. You are the army of the living God. You have power. You have authority. You're not a victim in this earth. You are a victor because the mirror tells you so. Not just because I say so. That doesn't mean anything. You have to go by what the word says. Right? So in uh, Numbers 21.9, again, just so you and I get this understanding of fixing our gaze, a lot of time, again, we treat Christianity like a microwave. God, I got a problem. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Bzzz, ding. Oh, thank God, everything's working again. That's not what this is about. This is a slow cooker relationship that you are in where God is changing the way that you think, renewing your mind according to his ways, according to the word of his grace, so you see what grace has provided. Jesus didn't come just to help you out a little bit. You have been completely remade. So you and I have to take the time. Here's the thing. Take the time. Resensitize. Allow the word to shape the way you and I think. It's your only way for success and survival. He said they, this is talking about the Israelites when they had, they, if they had, were grumbling, they were complaining. And actually, if you read this in context, it's a really quite a powerful story. But they got tired because of the journey. It says that in Numbers chapter 21, I believe in verse 3 or 4. It talked about the Israelites were tired because of the journey. Well, how many of you know that, man, sometimes when you're on a journey, this Christian walk that we're in, it's a journey. Living this life is a journey, and people get tired along the way. And when people get tired, what do they do? They mumble and complain. And particularly, who do they complain to or about? 
They complained to God about God. Can't believe they took us out of Egypt to lead us where? Here. And then they complained about Moses. They go to the leader. Oh, he's got a, what's wrong with him? He's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's doing. Why did he take us out of there? He didn't have to. We could have been there and had all the food that we wanted to eat. So those are the two people that get the blame. And what happens? Fiery serpents came into the camp, right, and started biting all the Israelites. And the Israelites came pleading to Moses, and Moses, we're so sorry. We complained against God. We complained against you. Please pray to the Lord to forgive and so that we can move on. So Moses, again, I love the picture of Moses, stood and interceded like a picture of what Jesus was and said, Father, help. God, help. Take care of this. And what did God tell Moses to do? Build a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, and all, he said this, all who look at it. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And if a serpent had bitten any man, when he looked at the serpent of bronze, look at this, he looked, meaning in the Hebrew, brings out attentively, expectantly, with a steady, absorbing gaze. Anybody have ever seen or been part of, maybe your parents had given you an absorbing gaze before? <laughs> I'm getting one right now. <laughs> what is that? It's they are bringing you in with their eyes. <laughs> okay. Are you looking at Javen? Please look at, no, he's not there. Shoot, it's me. But with this absorbing gaze, so for you and I, again, the word is revealing an absorbing gaze. It's not just a glance in the mirror once in a while. It is a full-blown stare into the word of God until the word starts changing the way you see yourself. You can't pray for this. Oh God, can you just help me just change the way that I feel about myself? You have to take time in this word and allow this word to start forming the image of who you are. This attentive, and look what happened. They lived. So again, in these last days, it is crucial that you know who you are because the devil will do everything he can to distract, to bring offense, to cause issues in your life, and all of a sudden, poof, I'm out, I'm gone. And you're going, how did I get over here? You took your eyes off. What's the most difficult thing to do when you're frustrated or hurt or angry is to actually fix my gaze on Jesus instead of looking at the problem, right? So what, what do we have to train ourselves to do? I got to look, I got to look, I got to fix my eyes, right? Are we okay still, church? Are we okay? Okay. Okay. So now let's take a few moments. Let's look at the mirror here again, the mirror of the word, and let's see what we are in possession of. Okay, so all I'm doing is I'm just revealing to you and I, sharing what the reflection of God's word is saying about us. Okay, so 1 John chapter 5. Again, you should hopefully have these memorized. This is what God has testified, that he has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Verse 12, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Isn't that very simple? Aren't you thankful for not a complicated mirror? If you have Jesus, what do you have? Life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. Right? Then verse 13. So John is saying, I have written this to you who believe in my name or in the name of the Son of God. So who is he writing this to? 
Well, who's he writing this to? I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. He's writing to the children of God, born again Christian, right? Why? So that you may know you have eternal life. Not one day when you die. You are in possession right now of eternal life. Why is that so important? Because a lot of times what religion kind of teaches you is that when you die, you'll have eternal life. No, 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 no. You have it right now. Jesus didn't just die for me. He gave his life to me. That's the purpose of all Jesus coming. Jesus didn't come just so you and I can get a ticket to miss hell and go to heaven. He came to get God out of heaven and bring his life back to humanity. That's what's missing. So when Jesus walked this walk on earth, Satan was freaked out. He was terrified because he hadn't seen this life since Adam 4,000 years ago. So all of a sudden, this man comes up on the scene, and from the very beginning, from his birth, Satan was trying to kill this life. But God got away every single time because he always does. But I want, we have to get this understanding. We kind of think, well, God just, you know, so I can miss hell. I, that'd be great. Thank you, God. That's, I'm thankful. This, and that's part of the package. But you have to think of it from a higher perspective. God had to get out of heaven to get life back to humanity. And that's why John is writing this. He's saying, it could be that you, child of God, it could be that you are believer in Jesus, but you may not be knowing that you actually have and possess eternal life right now. So obviously there is something about eternal life that is supposed to affect the way that I live, the here and the now while I'm on this earth. Correct? So let's take a look at that here for a moment. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you'll see that. Let's look here again what Paul said. He says, I have shared with you what I have received and what is of utmost importance. What is of utmost importance? The Messiah died for our sins, fulfilling the prophecies of scriptures. He was buried in a tomb and raised from the dead after three days, again, as foretold in the scriptures. So what Jesus did, the utmost importance of the gospel, isn't just what Jesus did in his earthly ministry. Again, what we saw in his earthly ministry, Jesus took care of some devilish managers. He took care of the fruits of Adam's sin, which was death, you know, sickness, messed up thinking. So Jesus had to go. This is, Jesus actually said, this is for the reason why I was born. There was something that took place between the cross and the throne that God revealed through the apostle Paul in his writings that the church has to see. Because when you see what God saw, when you see what Satan saw during those three days, it'll change the way you live forever. So much of the time we're just dealing with the results or the fruits of sin, of Adam's fall, rather than Jesus didn't just take care of some of those things. He went straight to the CEO of darkness, absolutely pulverized him, paralyzed him, had a parade, and he says in Revelation 1.18, I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave. I got him. So Jesus had to go through something in order to get something to us. And what was it? Life. He couldn't impart life on this earth to whosoever because he hadn't paid the price yet. So this crucifixion, what happened from the cross to the, to the tomb to the throne is huge. And then he says, you are a part of what I just did. Woo! He became the substitute for us. 
So this is good news for the church. This is why we come and we celebrate and rejoice knowing what Jesus has done because, listen, it will change your life forever. Okay, now, again, as we said, this is the most misunderstood insight is what happened in those three days. Again, you think of it. Man, the, the high priestly setup, the, the rules and the regulations of the high priest in the Old Testament, God started it, and now the high priests are judging him. The disciples, they stood and they looked at this man and said, what kind of man is he? Who can do all these things? And yet they followed him for three and a half years with no idea what his purpose for, and plan was for coming. They couldn't see it until day of Pentecost came, dun, 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 the Holy Spirit lit up the church, and we've been lit ever since. Never to fall down, never to kneel like we just sang. This gospel has to go forth boldly. It has to not just go forth boldly. We got to get it so that we can be powerful and standing in it and ministering it to this world. Amen. Okay. So now God revealed his great plan to the apostle Paul for us. He perceived what took place. So right now, you and I are in possession of eternal life. You and I have to renew our minds to this. I have the life of God on the inside of me. Now let's look here. I got a um, John chapter five. Everybody doing okay? Anything that, anything not clear? You can talk to Pastor Julian, and he'll, and their team will fix it all up. But Jesus said these words. He said, "It's urgent that you listen carefully to this. Anyone who believes what I am saying right now, and aligns himself with the Father, who has in fact put me in charge, has at this very." moment, the real lasting life, and is no longer condemned to be an outsider, this person, anybody can identify this is this person, I've aligned myself, I believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. He's saying this person has taken a giant step out of the world of the dead to the world of the living. This person. So where do we have problems is when you're trying to do this. I can't go further than this. Pants would be ripped. But for us as a Christians, as believers, we are living in two worlds. But those, he says, those people that have taken a giant step, you left this world of the dead, and now you're in the world of the living. Why do we go back to this? Tell you why, because it's familiar. We grew up in the culture of it. We understand how this operates, how the dead world operates. We can understand the money system. We understand the health system. We understand the education system. Why? Because it's all we've known. But again, the person that has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you're not just hanging out here just hoping that things get better for you. You've got to change the way you think to this life over here because it is completely different. It's a brand new world of living, right? So that's where you are. So now rather than, oh, I, I feel more comfortable here. Let's just launch out into the deep, shall we? And just start learning how this works over here. Okay, now let's continuing on. <clears throat> to see the effects of life, of God working in me, my thinking has a big part to play in this, right? I have to develop a God inside consciousness, I must develop a life of God inside of me mentality. Romans 8, verse 6. Look here for a moment. He says, to be carnally minded 
What is carnally minded? Okay, we think worldly. It just actually means to think on world stuff. Not necessarily sinful things. It just means your life is so caught up by the groceries, the kids' schedule, the, you know, the breakfast, the lunch, the work, the job, the hours, the pay, blah, 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 blah. All of those things, to be carnally minded or to think like that all the time is death. <laughs> but to be spiritually minded, what does that mean? What does it mean to be spiritually minded? How do you be spiritual? Oh, they're just such a spiritual person. That actually freaks me out. <laughs> oh, I'm just really spiritual. No, you're really devilish. There is nothing in that at all. What does it mean to be spiritually minded? It means to be word-minded, right? To think like Jesus. That's what it means. So instead of saying, I'm a spiritual person, you're actually saying, I actually believe and I think like the word says. Just in case I stepped on anybody's toes, let me clarify that. Okay, but to be thinking like the word is, come on, y'all, this is it, is, and peace. And this word life is zoe, it's the God kind of life. The life that you possess right now as a born again child of God, it's in you and I. Well, I'm not really seeing it. Where is your mindset? No, the same way that you set an alarm clock, where is your mind set? Sometimes we can become very predictable, meaning when a certain situation comes, this is my response. This is how I act because this is my mind set. So can I encourage you this week as you're spending time looking in the mirror of God's word, we're going to have to change our mind sets from just natural things, the hurt, the anger, the frustration, I can't believe they fired me, blah, 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 all these things. And I'm going to have to start setting my mind on his ways. And what's the result of my mind? This is how Jesus could sleep in a storm. This is how Peter, sitting between two guards the next day about to be beheaded, how do you do that? It must just be, they must be supernatural people to do that. No, there's mind sets. How can you live calm in this crazy world? My mind is set on his word. That's it. Oh, but the, how the financial market is just going to crumble. It's going to crash. I just, I don't understand what's going to happen. Unless like what Pastor Julian read in Psalm chapter 34, those that are trusting the Lord, they will not lack any good thing. What is that? It's a mindset. Yeah, but you just need to be real. This is as real as it gets. <laughs> We're still doing okay. So you and I can see that our mindset is crucial in experiencing the Zoe life of God that you already have. It's already there. You're not trying to get Zoe. Say it, I got Zoe. I'll say it like you actually mean it here, y'all. This, I got Zoe. What is that? I got the life of God. I have it on the inside of me. Now let's start, act, let's start getting it. How? By really asking yourself, what am I thinking about? Ask yourself throughout your day, all of a sudden pause and go, whoa, 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 where is my mind set at this moment? Okay. Now again, remember again, eternal life is, John 17, 3, this is eternal life that they know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So eternal life is knowing him. It just goes back in circle. Okay, 
I'm going to finish it off real quickly here. Romans chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. Just to show you a little bit about what the life of God, what Zoe life is on the inside of us. It says, Christ lives within you. Hold on. Christ, who's that? Jesus' last name. Who is Christ? Who is Christ? It's the anointed one and his anointing. His anointing lives not out here. Yeah, we got New Testament, we got to look where Jesus is. Where is his anointing? Somewhere out here. Here, right? So even though your body will die, sorry to bring that news to you, but you're not getting out of this alive unless Jesus comes for the rapture of his church. It will die because of sin. The Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. So that simply also means this, that eternal life, you have it forever. Now look at this in verse 11. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Church, this is what I'm talking about. Got to get in the mirror. You should be running laps right now. The Spirit of God who raised, think about it, get a picture of this. Allow the mirror to reveal a picture to you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Again, the disciples didn't see that part. (laughs) I mean, just quick time out. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't get mad when he came back to life? He's like, I told you I was coming back, and there's not even a poster saying, welcome back, Jesus. (laughs) No balloons, no cake, no parties, no party gifts, like nothing. And Jesus shows up. Hey, I'm here. (gasps) I told you I was coming. So aren't you glad Jesus just didn't get mad at that? But now he's saying, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give, come on, say the Greek word is, zoe. He will give zoe to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That means the life of God inside of me, the zoe life of God, is supposed to take over anything that the enemy tries to put onto this body. So right now, if you're dealing with sickness in your physical body, if you're dealing with demonic oppression in your mind, you have to come to this realization going, stop, the Zoe life of God is on the inside of me. I'm in possession of it right now. I don't have this on the screen, but I got two minutes left. Go to John chapter one real quick. I want you to see this because this is why Jesus came. This is what it is. Again, John's gospel and the epistles of John, what's the purpose of his writing? It's actually to start talking about this life. That's the whole motive behind all of it is life, 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 that you may know you have eternal life. This is how we know we pass from death to life, that we love the brethren. Life, 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 life. John 3, 16, life. John 10, 10, life. Woman at the well, if you would just drink this, you would have life. Life, 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 life. I think Jesus is trying to get a message. It's life, life, life. That's why I came to impart this life to you. 
So what happens, church, when we're not living and operating, even knowing that I got this life? We live like the world. We have the same problems like the world. We hope to get out of it like the world. When, in fact, the life of God in you will show you stuff. So John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, before all time, was the Word. This is talking about before creation even existed, the Word already existed. Right? I'm reading in the Amplified. Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God Himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co eternally with God. This is powerful. We know Him to be Jesus, but He wasn't Jesus before He came to this earth. He was the Word. All things were made and came into existence through Him, and without Him, not even one thing was made that came into being. Now, listen to this, verse 4. In him was life, and the life is the light of men. Another way you could say the the light of men, it's the development of men. So the life of God on the inside of me is the development for me. It's the development of my mind. It's the development of my body. It's the development of me how to raise kids. It's the development of me of how to make money. It's the development of me how to do a good job in things. This life of God on the inside of me teaches me, shows me, trains me, educates me, reveals things to me so I can actually see what God sees. This life. How do I start seeing it? I have to know that I got it. I have to start allowing my mind to think that way, and I just start talking it. The Bible even talks about Psalm 119. Lord, your word of life has actually made me smarter than all my instructors. Some of you that are in school, you can be smarter than the teacher. How do you get there? Acknowledging the life. I got the life of God on the inside of me. I wish I knew this in algebra. I would have passed something. I got the life of God in me. I got the life of God in me. Satan tried to put something on my body. I got the life of God in me. Knee, smarten up. I got the life of God in me. Oppression, depression, stop. I got the life of God on the inside of me. You got to start talking back from this position of, I left this world, I'm now here. We got to start thinking, talking, acting like this world is true because it is. This is why Jesus was untouchable. He could boldly stand before the the, the tomb of Lazarus and say, Lazarus! Come out! Now, naturally speaking, you could go, oh man, I don't know if you ever saw yourself kind of just sitting there by Jesus while he's doing that. Jesus, I don't want you to look bad. Like, what if he doesn't come out? Do you know what that is? It's fear talking. What if it doesn't work? And then you realized that eternal life just spoke. Come out! It has no choice but to obey. So this same life is on the inside of you. He called you from death. If you read John chapter five more, he says, many that are dead, they will hear my voice and they will come out of death and into life. Church, you are no longer in this dead end religion, this dead world. You are part of the living life of the gospel that Jesus Christ came to establish. That's who you are, alive unto God in Christ Jesus. I'm free. Stand up with me for a moment. Thank you for those three. Let's go. And the, oh, I got to get up. The life of God is on the inside of you. You know what you should be doing? And start looking for some devils. Okay, come on, little devil, 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 devil. Why? The life of God. This life paralyzed him. 
and now I'm living free. So let's lift our hands this morning and just say this after me. In the name of Jesus, I have in my current possession the life of God. Mind, be sound. Body, be whole. Relationships, be restored. Why? Because the life of God is on the inside of me. Now you may need to talk to your body right now. Say it right now. Knee, ankle, eyesight, mind. The life of God is on the inside of me. The same life that God has. Blood clots. Somebody got to talk to these blood clots. No way. Blood, thin out now. Why? Because the life of God is on the inside of me. Strength, I just wake up every morning. I'm just exhausted. The life of God is in me. I wake up refreshed. I get my full sleep. The life of God also puts me to sleep. (laughs) Those of you that are dealing with sleep, you know, having a hard time sleeping, that ends tonight. Come on, how do you say, how do I know that? Because the life of God is on the inside of me. And he said in his word that he gives his beloved rest. So what do I do? Thank you, Lord. The life of God is in me. I'm going to sleep my full four hours. Whatever it is that you need sleep. I'd like to get six tonight. That's what I'm going for. That belongs to me. So Father, can we also just right now, just put your, your hand on the shoulder next to you for a moment. And let's just pray over our brother and sister. And we just declare the life of God over this church family. The life of God in marriages. The life of God in relationships. The life, the life, the life, the life. Come on, you just say the life of God. Strengthen, strengthen me in Jesus' name. The life of God taking care of all sickness. The life of God taking care of all depression and fear. The life of God is in me. Thank you, Jesus. Ah. Just come to me, just those words. Come to me all, all. You'll notice my ways are easy. I'm easy to please. He's nice to be around. Thank you, Lord. Come on, just be there for a sec. I just see there's things, there's needs. I, I, I know it in my heart. There's things that just need to change in people's lives. Maybe you have a spouse at home. There's just things that are a bit weird or off. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just speak the life of God from this place right now. We speak the life of God in our city. We thank you for the Zoe life of the church across our city. Be awakened. This is what Paul would be saying. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. You got it. You got it. Those co-worker issues that you'd be having. No, 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 don't look at it from that perspective. The life of God is on the inside of me. Lord, what do I do about this situation? Rather than mumbling and complaining, Oh, my coworker's just a pain. My boss is a real, you know, piece of work. Oh, I just, you know, I need more money. Blah, 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 blah. All of those things keep your mind on the carnal things and instead start looking to the life of God. This life will supply everything you need. So we bless those coworkers. Come on, just say it, bless them. <laughs> Come on, y'all. The life of God in you wants to do that. Bless them, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We are a whole people. Amen? Awesome. Amen. Thank you so much. I'll give it Pastor Julian. Can we just give the Lord one more? Just thank you, Jesus. 
We're so thankful for his life. We're so thankful for his life. No, Pastor Julian, is here. I just I want to make sure. Is there anybody here that has never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior? The Bible clearly says what we read. If you do not have the Son, you do not have life. But if you do have the Son, you do have life. Jesus came to give you life. If there's anyone here that has never done that before, where you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. Have you done that today? Just want to make sure. Just show me your hand if you've not done that before. We're okay. Anybody here? Oh. Okay, actually, I prayed with with you. I prayed with you. Anybody else just want to make sure? We had two last week, beautiful. Actually, this past month, I think we were at 17 this last month. It was wonderful. And and, And not just that, our brothers and sisters, they're getting connected in our foundations class. Our youth ministry, there was 13 that got born again in the month of January. We had seven people got filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all, God is on the move. Awakening hearts. And so what we're doing, we're part of this team together moving forward. So thank you so much. We're all good. You're full of life people. Awesome. Pastor Julian.